I've found in my experience that um, plans, if you will, um, schedules and all that stuff is made to hit a certain goal. Uh, let's say that goal is 10,000 units, whatever we're talking about. Um, their plan is designed to hit that goal. Now, that plan is also limited to that goal. You may be able to do a little bit more, but to really crush that goal, you have to do more or different. Um, and their plan is proven, and I can say that every company I've worked for, if you follow the plan, it works to hit the goal, but it doesn't work to just make the goal non-existent. I think it. I think it takes a little bit of, of give and take from both sides, right? So there has to be a structure and a process, but in, in you know traditional ways of learning. But there also has to be flexibility for agility and change, and, and a you know adhering to people's strengths and weaknesses. And I think that it takes both sides to. Hi, Matt. Thanks for uh, joining us today. I'm super excited to have you on here for sure because, you know, I've uh, learned a lot from you over the years and I think that other people could value from your experience and, and your feedback and your advice. Um, but Marnie, I, I wanted to introduce you to Matt because, you know, he's you've never met him and he's a guest on our podcast, but he and I uh, worked together at, the, at a company and I had originally reached out to him because I think, you know, I started, I think, two or three years ahead of him. But I had reached out to him because I saw this Macahona kid putting these crazy numbers up on the um, sales board. And I'm like, what? Who is this kid? And what is he doing so differently? But it was numbers that, you know, to this day can't be matched. And so I just. Oh, reached, wow. I know. I reached out to him and, and kind of was like, what? What are you doing differently? So he is a legend. And, um, you know, we've developed a friendship over outside of work because I think that we share a lot of the same values yet we also have a lot of the similar flaws. So, um, yeah. He's oh, just thank been... you, Matt. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thank you. Um, so, Matt, tell us a little bit about your, before we get into, you know, your career and your professional life and work stuff, just tell me a little bit about your, your upbringing and so we can have a little context as to who, who you are in your background. Uh, I was raised lower middle class. Um, my father was a contractor, uh, not a very successful one, but we always had what we needed. Uh, I wasn't getting, you know, I didn't get Nikes until I was like 12 or 13 years old. Excuse me. Um, I mean, I lived with my two siblings. I shared a bunk bed with my brother. Uh, my sister had her own room. My parents were together and we rented a apartment behind my grandmother's house um west side of buffalo which is i don't know what that means to you guys but uh it is a uh, i wouldn't say it's a depressed part of the city but it's i was the minority in my school um and my school was predominantly spanish um and that was where i grew up and how i grew up I went into high school. I had always gotten very good grades, but school didn't quite interest me. Um, just kind of bored me, if I'm being honest. And then I would act up because I got bored. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's kind of from uh, one to 18 in the shortest nutshell I can give you. I was close with my family. Um, 
my grandma and my grandfather and I were very close and my father worked a lot so my mother kind of raised us. Okay, finally someone with some adversity in their background or at least someone willing to admit it. Um, not that not that the other people didn't, but I, I'm glad that you are willing to uh, share your story in that regard. Can you, you know, you talked about you were close with your family, but do you have, did you have any mentors, anyone in particular growing up and then, you know, have they stayed mentors and, and do you, do you think that uh, mentorship and having someone to look up to is, um, and help guide you is important? Um, unfortunately, I didn't really have anybody that I believe was worth, was worth looking up to. I looked up to my father, but like I said, I, my father worked late a lot and, uh, I didn't have tons of interaction with my father growing up. I mean, I knew that he worked and he worked hard and he worked late. Um, but outside of that, like I haven't really had any mentors and I'm a bit of a rebel. So I've always had my own ideas and went my own way. Um, you know, like I had, so, you know, you always hear these stories about how someone, you know, let's talk about what you want to be when you grow up. And then you do like the whole budget planning thing in school. And I would, you know, like every year in grade school, they ask you what you want to be when you grow up. And I would always change it because as I got older, I learned about more and more things that made more money. At the end of the day, all I wanted to be was successful. Can you define successful? What does that look like? Uh, for me, it's a couple of different things. Um, being happy where I'm at, but also continuing to progress where I'm at. Being in a position where uh, I don't worry about money. Um, I buy what I want when I want, and I don't even notice it. Um and I'm able to provide for my partner, you know, no matter what the situation may be, that I'm a breadwinner, um, that I can be relied upon, that I am a uh, trusted person and respected in the eyes of my peers, not just in uh, the business world, but in on a personal level. Uh, if you have people that love you, that is success. Um, but yes, I also financial success as well. Okay. So yeah, it's funny. The first thing you said was, you know, being happy and then, you know, being able to, um, progress your happiness from there. The last person we spoke with was, you know, he, he had gone from an entrepreneur corporate world to entrepreneur and, and it really, it was like one piece of advice to, um, to consider when you're making the transition. And it was, it was again, happiness. So I think that the happiness framework is, is really important. Um, but we also we're talking about a lot of people don't know what makes them happy. Do you have any advice for um, people trying to figure out what makes them happy? Don't be shy. Try new things. You know, <laughs> I, I always say that uh, I'll try anything twice, even though it may be unappealing. Um, there's a, a lot of things uh, in this world that a lot of people are afraid to try because it may be viewed as unconventional or weird and who gives a crap, you know, don't care about what people like. It's about you and making yourself happy at the end of the day and being true to the people around you. Um, people that, you know, if you worry too much about what people think, you can really set yourself short on some things that can make you happy. So where, what is your professional um, experience um, now versus three, four years ago? Uh, so... 
uh, I, I guess I can't get into that without telling you more of my history. Um, so I, you know, I got to kind of elaborate on my entire background. I started working when I was 13. Um, and then I kind of grew into a troubled youth. As I mentioned before, I was a bit rebellious and that had led me to, you know, I, I didn't care to go to college or anything like that. I knew that I was smart and I knew that I was hardworking, but I obviously I didn't go to college. So I, um, because of the troubles I was experiencing, I bounced around to a lot of different professions, um, like a lot. Uh, I, I stayed at jobs long enough to get good at them. And then either I would get bored or lose interest um, and either would get fired or quit and try to move on to the next thing. Um, I would, you know, just be always seeking the next best thing. And then I'm not that I'm not doing that now, but I'm doing it in more of an adult, mature, professional manner. So once I had made a decision to stop being uh, a jerk, for lack of better words, um, I went back into construction, which is one of the jobs that I had gotten pretty good at. And uh, I was doing commercial HVAC and things were going well. And uh, somebody had mentioned to me about a um, marketing slash sales position. And I had had, uh, you know, performance-based and sales type positions in the past that I did really well at, but I was very afraid of getting back into sales for a couple of different reasons. Historically, uh, any performance-based position that I've had my whole life, I've exceeded the expectations of what they thought was possible. Um, you know, you have a goal and nobody ever thought that you would do five times, six times the goal and they'd have to pay you to hit that number. Um, so every performance-based job that I ever had, they would either change the commission structure once they realized what I was doing, um, get resentful and try to micromanage me. And uh, a lot of times I felt like places would try to make me quit. So uh, I was afraid of uh, what, you know, that could bring. One, um, sales is something that a lot of people are... Um, almost expected to stretch the truth bare minimum. A lot of salespeople are liars. Um, so I, you know, I was living this honest, clean life and uh, I was really afraid to get back into it. So three months of contemplation and prayer, I uh, decided to actually apply. And um, from uh, applying, uh, obviously I did get hired and that's how I met Martha, but um, almost immediately I started thinking outside of the box and pursuing ways to be the best. And, um, I told people, you know, during training, I'll see you in president's club. And my first full year, I made president's club, which wasn't a very common occurrence for somebody in their first year at that company. Um, so I came into a position that I knew nothing about other than I knew how to talk to people and I knew ambition and I knew drive, uh, and how important those things were. And I uh, learned marketing, right? I learned marketing and exactly what that meant and exactly what would be successful for other parties involved. I, I told a lot of people like, I, I don't know if I'm the best, but I'll outwork you. Um, I would get to work two hours early. I, I would 
I don't know if you remember this, Martha, but Tim would get to the office during trainings um, at the ass crack of dawn, like sometimes six, six thirty. And I would always be I would I would do my absolute best to beat him. Um, and, and I would go there and prep my day and, and get a head start on everyone. And then I would go home and, and continue to work that. And uh, it proven it proved to be very successful. Um, I did things, you know, in a non-traditional manner, which they didn't like, but they liked the results where I had broke um, every company record for digital sales, digital retention. Um, I had the most clients that were continuing to work with me and continuing to pay their bill. Um, and I had done record-breaking numbers for a significant amount of time where it was like somebody would have a month like I had uh, once in their career um, and I was doing it like clockwork. And I can attest to that because, you know, proof was in the pudding. I hate that statement, but it was. And he really, really did um, outperform and, you know, outwork. I don't know if you outworked me, but you definitely outperformed me a lot of, most of the months, actually, <laughs> probably all the months. Um, but so let's, let's go back to, if it's okay, the, cause I think that you and I are both working on, on, you know, you said the other day, I'm trying to understand before being understood. So you said, you know, people or, or management or what have you in, in past sales roles or, or um, past experience would either micromanage you or get resentful when you wrote the numbers you didn't, but did things your own way. Why? Well, a lot of companies have a, uh, a way that they expect things to look and they have their own recipe for success. Um, and generally, um, salespeople and business owners and people that own sales organizations or whatever type of organization are, you know, their egos are relatively large. I can attest to that because my ego is relatively large. Um, where it stinks to be proved wrong that somebody, you know, you're paying some, like when in a lot of my other sales roles, I would work half the time and do three, four times the numbers. Um, just because I had developed my own system to, to make it work. Um, and they generally didn't like that. You know, they were, I was making the most money, but working the least amount of hours or, uh, they were writing my writing me checks larger than they were writing themselves. Um, when you have a company where the owners pay themselves a hundred grand um, and you're paying your uh, one of your employees, not even one of your long-term employees, like I had been there three months and then you got to write me a $10,000 check every month for a bonus on top of my salary. Um, Personally, I'd feel like I was doing something wrong and I'd be mad at myself. And I don't know if I could personally not take it out on that person and feel like you're just overpaying them, even though all of my positions that I'm referencing this were performance based, right? Uh, it was constantly thrown in my face. We pay you this much money. We pay you that much money. You should do, you should be doing everything and anything we ask. Um, at the end of the day, I strongly disagree with that. I earned that much money. Um, anything that they gave me, you know, the minimum requirements of my job is what they paid me, everything else I earned. Okay. So um, I think a lot of people have the, you know, I, I'm not saying you're wrong by any means. Um, and ego, I think, is a huge factor on both ends, myself included. Um, but I've learned, and you, 
I don't know if you would agree with this or not. Um, if you have a mutual understanding and you establish a rapport and a relationship and you, you really work on building a relationship um, prior to um, sort of going rogue, so to speak, and, and doing things your own way, then it helps with, and, and maybe this could help other people, it helps with, um, you know, getting people on board with you, right? So, you know, the more people are on board with you, the more likely you are destined for success because, you know, you really can't do things alone, um, especially at a big company. Would you would you agree with that it's important to, if the other party is willing to, establish a rapport and build a relationship before someone's, you know, were to attempt to go outside of the box? Um. Can you rephrase that a little bit? I'm having a hard time. Um, so I, I think that some people find when you don't follow their rules, right? Yes, it's ego. But I think a lot of it, they, they feel disrespected. They feel like you're not or were not or whoever's not being accountable. Right? I can see that. And I do think that you're right. But I also feel strongly that I'm hired to do a certain job, right? At the end of the day, how I do that job, if the result is better, um, what is, you know, at the end of the day, especially with performance-based position, the more I produce, the more money you make. So if I don't do it in the traditional fashion um, or the traditional fashion just doesn't work as well as my thought up way, um, why, did, why does it always end up being such a big deal? Right. So did you, but why I think that they may, may feel disrespected by it or slighted by it is because did I you... didn't even give them a chance. I, I get what you're saying. And I typically do explore their way to start um, and then slowly start deviating from that. Once I realize that you can right. only do much under, because yes. I've found in my experience that, um, plans, if you will, um, schedules and all that stuff is made to hit a certain goal. Uh, let's say that goal is 10,000 units, whatever we're talking about. Um, their plan is designed to hit that goal. Now, that plan is also limited to that goal. You may be able to do a little bit more, but to really crush that goal, you have to do more or different. Um, and their plan is proven. And I can say that every company I've worked for, if you follow the plan, it works to hit the goal, but it doesn't work to just make the goal non-existent. I think it, I think it takes a little bit of, of give and take from both sides, right? So there has to be a structure and a process, but in, in, you know, traditional ways of learning, but there also has to be flexibility for agility and change and, and a, you know, adhering to people's strengths and weaknesses. And I think that it takes both sides to, you I, know. I absolutely agree, but I'm a result guy. Uh, at the end of the day, the results are what matter. I don't care. Uh, personally, I don't care how hard someone works. I had this employee last year whom is since uh, we've had to depart him from the company um, where this guy would look like he is working. He's sweating, he's moving around, but he would accomplish next to nothing in a 10-hour day of work. Um, for me, 
uh, it doesn't, it's at the end of the day, businesses don't thrive on effort. They thrive on results. Um, so that's where I tend to differ at the end of the day. You could follow a plan all you want or do what the boss says, but if it's not within your wheelhouse of where you can excel, um, I want my guys to perform. Um, and I felt past people that employed me, uh, that was what was most important. It wasn't mattering how hard I tried or how much I followed the plan. Uh, if I didn't produce results, I was on the chopping block. Sorry, one other thing on this topic, the me trying to understand the other perspective for them wanting to build a team culture and, and everyone's a team player, right? So if they're, if say a new person comes in and sees this one person doing things completely different than the plan that the, the company knows works, but say, you know, that person isn't necessarily, you know, gifted or capable or those, you know, your way is not their, their strength. Um, could you, could you see why it could, it could create problems? Experience to have, uh, someone who openly defies management, um, a hundred percent, right? It, it can be almost detrimental to a team culture to have somebody uh, not quote unquote follow the rules, but also be indispensable. Um, you know. So I, how do you how do we find people find that happy medium? Because. I don't know if there, I don't know if it exists. Um, I, I personally feel like those people should be um, in their own class, if you will. Um, you know, like, what do they, what do they say? Like, I, I heard somebody say this a long time ago, like Ken Griffey didn't go to practice. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he was I like, don't. I know who it is. I haven't quite heard the phrase before. I, I think it, it's the solve is like just um, giving people the right tools and training to figure it out, figure out what works best for them. Right. So be open to uniqueness, be open to different ways and encourage diversity and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. One of my problems is where once I figure out a better way, I can dismiss that their way entirely to where I feel that it's. They feel disrespected though. Dismiss yeah, even that word alone. And I, and I can be open about that. And that's where, you know, ego and arrogance comes in. Like you're, this is just a waste of time. I can be producing results or I could be documenting what I did today. Um, you know, you know, that scenario all too well. So it's one of those things where I, I'm very headstrong and I'm doing my job and proving that I'm doing well at my job. You can't refute the numbers, um, but I could definitely, uh, at least me, I know that I could have approached it better and done a little more uh, glad handing and, and smiling to things even though I felt that they were foolish and an utter waste of my time. Um, you could have done I, a little more what were the two things? Glad handing and uh, smiling <laughs> toward, toward things that I felt were very foolish and a big waste of my time and just added stress to an already stressful job and stressful day. Um, 
I probably could have. Uh, so I'm going to push back there. Look, again, I don't think that's the answer. I don't think just like faking, fake it till you make it or, or just, you know, bullshitting to bullshit just because, you know, you want to appease certain people. I think that there, it has to be, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to try their way. Then I'm going to, you know, figure out a way um, to make that process more efficient, right. Or, or to help improve the process, right. Versus what, you know, help them, improve the plan or, or, or what have you improve the situation versus just um, going my way or the highway. You know what I mean? And I, I think that it's important to, um, you know, show that, show that things can be improved versus, you know, this is broken and I'm going to do it my own way. Marnie, could you, I think that Matt and I both struggle with, with going outside of the box and disrespecting people to a certain point, at least maybe in the past. As a, as a, you know, a mature adult and <laughs> someone who is less confrontational than him and I, could you offer any sort of feedback or advice for either us or, or um, our listeners? Um, well, I come uh, from a little bit different of a background in industry. Um, where um, as commendable of having your own way of doing things is um, in the in the security industry, we have very specific rules and procedures to mitigate risk. Um, and, and sometimes it is tedious and the paperwork is a pain, um, but it's highly necessary. Um, now in, in sales and things, um, things of that nature. My personal opinion is get the job done as long as you're working ethically. Um, you know, get the job done, whether you're working at 2 a.m. or 2 p.m. or if you're putting 10 hours in or if you could get the work done in two. Um, I'm all for working smarter, not harder. Um, but I, I, I'm very, in my professional well, my current profession, um, it, it's very structured. It has to have rules. You have to look a certain way. You have to do your tour duty a certain way. Um, it It is inflexible to a point, but if you can say, hey, if you do this, it'll make it easier. We would look at it and make sure it doesn't open us up to any other risk. Um, but so that. I think that's a stark difference from, from the industries that you guys are working with, with in, in think, where I'm standing still from. speaks to the point of having to respect the current, you know, the, the process and the plans are in place for a reason. And as long as, long as we can, um, or someone can, you know, show that they understand and respect why those processes are in place that way and, you know, use those whys as to um, back up their own reasons as, you know, similar as to, the original reason I think that would, would be, um, helpful. So, but yeah, yes, I mean, I, I know, um, like starting your own business, um, like we do things differently than most other people in the industry. So, I mean, we did have to take that, that maverick type uh, of attitude to get things done and that we're not just going to show up just to make the client happy. We're actually going to do something. Give so value. Right? Yeah. That's how, how we give value. That's different. Um, but, uh, so you, you speak a little bit about, um, you know, just do it your way. As long as you're, you're being ethically correct and morally, um, doing the right thing, Matt, 
I know sales, um, it can be, we're often in a hard, what's that place? The rock in a hard place? I don't remember. Where you can easily, you know, sell something and uh, deep back in the, in the back of your mind, know it, not, know it doesn't work, right? So can you tell me um, an example of a time where you had to choose between what was morally right and the easy way out? Whether it's sales related or not? Toward the end of my tenure at Hearst, um, after, you know, I came into that position and I believed in what we did. I believed in our ability to deliver on it. I thought that it was easy and to some extent that it is, uh, but in a large company like that, often things get left by the wayside. Um, so after I had learned um what we what and how much we were truly falling short with um it got to a point where uh, i had a strong desire to be the best still and i had a strong desire to continue making money and uh, there was times where i don't know if i had ever made the choice to know that i am screwing somebody um, but there was times where I had convinced myself that, well, I just got to give them this program uh, and it'll definitely work. And then, you know, a couple of days later, once I experienced some of the problems that I uh, was experiencing, which was very, very, very often, um, I would uh, just be in a very, very low uh, moral spot where I felt like a piece of crap because I like somebody agreed to spend $50,000 with me on marketing and signed a $50,000 contract. And I felt like somebody made me a liar. Uh, though I believed at the time I was helping them afterwards, I felt like I had screwed them. And then I, and then making that decision, your question, um, I made the decision after the fact that I just chose to, be, I chose the company over the moral thing rather than telling this, like, yo, you just, you need to run. Right. I, I made a mistake. You need to get away from us as far as you can. Um, Cause this is just going to be underwhelming at best, but more than likely you're going to um, spend a lot of money and get nothing out of it. So feedback, I think feedback is really important. Can you just describe a time where you received difficult feedback, whether it was from a manager or a colleague or a client or, or whoever? Uh, five minutes ago from Martha Hunter. Shit. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But like there was, be, there was a lot of times where as confident and cocky as I can be, uh, admittedly, I know that's where I struggle. Um, I'm a little sensitive as well, where uh, I can typically accept feedback when it's given to me in a adult manner. Uh, my manager at the time was very, 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 very rough around the edges. Um, real serious lack of professionalism, a serious lack of honesty with tact. Um, but there was times where we would have uh, open and honest conversations in a calm tone of voice. Uh, not often, but um, when I, I'm given criticism, like, uh, you know, what's the saying? Um, 
Never criticize a fool. He will hate you. Criticize a wise man. He will appreciate you. Um, when I'm given criticism in a non-aggressive manner, uh, I truly do appreciate it. You know, even whether or not I disagree with it, I take it into thought. I take it into consideration. And oftentimes it helps me grow as a person. What, what does that look like, Matt? What is what does non-aggressive feedback look like? not screaming at me, not swearing at me, um, not attacking the way that I think. Um, or... And is it like real time feedback or is it like, okay, um, tell them a week later or like have a feedback session or do you like real time? I mean, I think the best time to give constructive criticism is when you're both calm and not currently uh, hot off of the situation that upset one party or the other or both. Um, when you do it in the heat of the moment, it can often be taken as an act of aggression and not saying that you don't need to give some, some feedback immediately. Um, but you know, yo, you're fucking wrong. That's bullshit in the moment. Isn't quite, uh, the way to do things. And that's not the way that I do things with my employees. Um, even if I have to give, uh, criticism in the moment, uh, I do it in a lighthearted manner to where I kind of make fun of it. Um, but I make sure that they're pointing it out, that I'm pointing it out. And then when the time comes to where I have one-on-one -on -one time with them in an appropriate manner, I'm able to uh, give them, you know, uh, like a, I guess you could say a point-by-point -point list as to why that's wrong and this is right. Um, that makes sense. Level of compromise. All right. Well, it's so, so great talking to you. I'm sorry we got a little off topic, but I do think that um, your advice and your, your feedback will be valuable for other people. So um, hopefully we will talk again soon. And, and thank you for all that you uh, think.